And you are listening to WMNF Tampa, WMNF 88.5 FM. Welcome to the afternoon.
Well, welcome. Happy afternoon. Happy Friday. You are listening to WMNF Tampa. This is Art in Your Ear. My name is Joellen Schilke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the most. I am thrilled that you are out there listening. Of course, we've got some Burt Bacharach penned songs on the show today to celebrate the life of a really amazing artist. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Dr. Angelo Spoto and Stephanie Crank from the C.G. Jung Library of Tampa Bay about art, Jung and the art. It's going to be a great conversation, so buckle up, buckle up. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can always email dj at wmnf.org. You can send us a text at 813-433-0885. Before getting going, I've got a couple of announcements I want to do. Also, uh, one announcement. Uh, if you are a Facebook person, Art in Your Ear has a group that I, I started a group for Art in Your Ear, and now it's, I love it. And people are just posting their artwork, they're posting their events, there's discussions. It's just fabulous. So if you are interested in uh, connecting with other arts people, other WMNF arts people, or if you have a lot of events and you want to get them in front of people that are art-related events, please uh, consider joining the Art in Your Ear Facebook group. And that link is on the Art in Your Ear page on WMNF, uh, on, on Facebook. And I think it's on the WMNF one. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, we have a great concert tonight, an amazing concert tonight, and here... Let's tell you a little something about it. This is Steve, the hitman, host of the Soul Party on Friday nights on WMNF. Join me at Skipper Smokehouse on Friday, February the 10th, as we enjoy the Harlem Gospel Travelers. I am a sin only saved by grace. You clean me up, I've never been the same. With fans like Elton John and all music praising their new album as Dreamlike and Joyous, the Harlem Gospel Travelers are a dazzling vocal trio you don't want to miss. The Harlem Gospel Travelers, February the 10th at Skipper Smokehouse. Buy your tickets now at WMNF.org. Their music just gives me absolute chills. Chills. We're going to get set up. Uh, so here uh, in the background, we've got some more Baba Stilts, as you longtime listeners, or if you just listened to the last two weeks, I'm, I'm obsessed with Baba Stilts. Uh, we are going to play next as we get the studio set up, collaboration between Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach. And this is uh, off of uh, their great collaborative album, uh, I uh, Such Unlikely Lovers. Listen now I'm not saying that there will be violence 
And that, of course, is some Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach collab. <laughs> well, I, I just am so excited about today's show. I'm always very lucky to have wonderful guests. And, and this is the first time on Art in Your Ear, I hope not the first time on WMF, that we've had members of the C.G. Jung Library of Tampa Bay come in and talk to us. I would like to introduce Angela, Dr. Angela Spoto and Stephanie Crank from the library. If you all would say hello to the listeners. Hello. Great to be here. So, Hi, everyone. It's nice to be here. So uh, you all had reached out and talked about this series that you're doing about uh, the, the founder of uh, analytic psychology and, of course, one of the pillars of psychology, but also, uh, I don't want to say co-opted isn't the right phrase, uh, in- inspirational or, or fundamental to a lot of new age practices. I mean, just so many different um, spiritual practices and something. Uh, C.G. Young, Carl Gustav Young. Uh, how, uh, how do you see, Angelo, how is this, how tight is this connection between the creative process and art making and Carl Young? Yeah. Well, uh, he himself went through a, a period in which he found out for himself how potentially creative the unconscious could be. But it did ask something of you. It asked for an encounter. It asked for a relationship. So um, I think because his experience was uh, rich and uh, very authentic, it's had also a tremendous influence. And it's gone in many different directions. Uh, On our website, we have a section that talks about Jung's influence in art, in literature, uh, in film. Uh, He has the ability to catch people's attention and take them deeper. So what I want to say, one of the things that, uh, you know, you're doing something at the Dolly, aren't you doing something upcoming at the, or you did something at the Dolly? We're going to have a member excursion, a group 
to the dolly. No, you're fine. Yes. So, uh, right. But yes, that's just something that we're doing to gather together the members. There's an exhibition there on dreams, and we just did a lecture workshop on that, so we're really hoping to deepen that. It's a really cool exhibition. Yeah. Well, one of the things about that, because what, I mean, he was an influence on not just the surrealists, but, you know, many different art movements at that time were also questioning a lot of things. The first, what we call the First World War, but the Great War, whatever, right. you know, the War of, uh, of 1914 was probably one of the things that changed the world more than almost anything that has yeah. come before or since. It was so impactful. And it, it broke the grip that old ways had in That's a lot right. of things. So he served in that war and emerged from it, or even before that, was having a little bit of an um, internal, I don't know, if, if can I call it a crisis or, you know, but, but basically he decided to start diving into mm-hmm. very, like we all have strange places and man, he just got his snorkel mask on or his, <laughs> you know, and his spear gun and he, his scuba, did, tanks. His scuba tanks and yeah. he just went right in. Yeah. How come, how come you think he was doing that? Why? Did he need to Well, I think it's actually uh, why most people come to therapy. At least this is a very good motive because they need to. You know, you have to go into the unconscious at some point because when the the conscious side, uh, the ego uh, part of the personality is challenged and there's conflict and you're really being hit hard. Uh, Many people who went through the Great War, as you say, you know, were in trauma. And uh, uh, it, the effects of that war are really unimaginable. And Jung was no exception. You know, he was deeply affected by that. And it pushes you deeper into the psyche. So uh, he really had to do it. Uh, it was a matter of either you're going to go a little crazy or you're going to, you know, turn to the unconscious, look at where all that affect, that heat that uh, potential uh, destruction may be and transmute it, transmute that energy. So he was, um, he had been, had a close working and personal relationship with Freud, but they were diverging. Yeah. So, so you're here to talk about the Red Book, which was a, 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 a tome mm-hmm. <laughs> that... I guess started off in scattered books, but then became eventually just one sort of right. one book where he created some amazing yeah. art, like hundreds yeah. and hundreds of art and wrote a lot too. But he um, had he already been thinking about the idea of the collective unconscious when he started this process or did that thought come out of his creative process? Yeah, I'd say out of his creative process, you know, he, he had a kind of gnosis and inner knowing based on what he was experiencing. Uh, the Red Book really kind of started after he broke with Freud, you know, which added to the inner conflict and the confusion, as you said, when the conventions break down, you know, what's going to happen? You're going to either go crazy, you're going to try to restore the persona, or you're going to turn in, you're going to go deeper. And Jung went deeper. So uh, the, the creative process uh, is something innate to the psyche but it's often by way of the shadow it's often by way of going through this dark side uh which is painful and and difficult uh that you experience eventually you know you experience the creative it's why people are attracted to young i think you know he he treats the problem of suffering the problem of evil you know very directly Mm -hmm. and uh and people who are kind of 
suffering and they're very aware of uh, the problem of evil. You know, they go to Jung and they kind of uh, uh, benefit from some of his explorations. He does. I mean, he wrestles. He wrestles not only with yeah. evil, but also with the, the after effects of right. it. But throughout it, um, I mean, because until you drew my attention to the Red Book, mm-hmm. the artistry in that yeah. book and, you know, even just the, you know, in, in the one that you brought that has, you know, all of his writing, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, the all the Germanic script, but mm-hmm. also his writing of the words he said, but the drawings and mm-hmm. the, the paintings in the, the book. The, the time spent and the... Even just the materials people right. have worked on, especially in the artist community, and the colors and them. I mean, it just it blew me away yeah. to look at. It. I spent way too much time <laughs> in my life looking at it because it's so beautiful. But yeah. you know, Stephanie, I want to bring you into this part too because we we talked a little bit before the thing. There's you know going back to that collective unconscious. So. I would like you, so you'll do it better than me, to so do a quick definition of collective unconscious. But how the idea of these fairy tales and shared stories and shared archetypes and, and that we have, or I guess shared in archetypes is a, you know, um, but how, you know, how this connection, what Jung saw as this connection that happens um, before birth in a way, you know. So so will you just grab that for a little? Sure. I mean, I think obviously Angelo is the expert on this, but I've been studying Jung for a while and I, I really think that um, what I'm experiencing with Jung's work and concepts is how interconnected they are. So if you're talking about the collective unconscious, I mean, you know, it's it's something inherited, primordial, it's inborn um, in all of us. And and I think that um, your second question about the fairy tales also speaks to that. I mean, the um, fairy tales, myth, art, um, the creative process. I mean, there there are ways that they're all connected. So he began looking at and seeing fairy tales as these kind of very simple um, glimpses at the anatomy of the psyche. Um, and, you know, meaning that like we all have this anatomy that we can tap into. And one of the things that you mentioned before in terms of the thing that really drew me to Jung was kind of the dignity that he gave to sort of human beings and the unconscious that it's not just this kind of destructive receptacle Mm -hmm. of like repressed, you know, and destructive wishes or um, hopes or sort of incompatible things, which mm-hmm. certainly, you know, that is there as well. And well, we owe that. Freud was kind of like, yes. that stuff's all bad. That's like, right. you know, what, what you can see on the surface is good. Everything else is bad. Yeah, and yeah. Young, broke with Young him would over say that. that Freud tried to explain the flower by putting his nose in the fertilizer. <laughs> so, so there's a lot in the unconscious that is shadowy and dark, but there's also gold. And uh, you do get that message, you know, consistently, especially after the Red Book, because that's Red Book documents his process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he hit the gold there. And then he, he built up his model, analytical psychology. And probably by about 1928, the, the, the anatomy, as Stephanie says, the anatomy of the psyche was in place for him. In that, that he model. understood it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Red Book period was a critical period. It was about, you know, 1907. 
uh, intense for four or five years, but he wrapped it up around 1928. That's when his interest in alchemy uh, took over. I feel that, uh, you know, I've learned, and, and dear listener, that was uh, Dr. Angela Spoto, and with us also is Stephanie Crank from the uh, C.G. Young Library of Tampa Bay uh, here on Art in Your Ear on WMNF. Um, but I feel that... Uh, he used it, and a lot of people who are listening to the show, and I, perhaps you all as well, used this type of like, and it's not automatic writing, but this type of letting the subconscious sort of, or letting this uncontrolled part of us work. And then that helped explain the stuff. I mean, I learn from my subconscious a right. lot. You know, I might be writing something or drawing something or, or, you know, working on something and it allows my problem to be solved. So there yeah. is a real problem solving in this. There's guidance. But, but he was doing more than problem solving yeah. because he was reaching for this, this commonality mm-hmm. through humanity. Mm-hmm. Like that there's this commonality through humanity going against kind of what was going on in the 19th century mm-hmm. when or no, it would be the yeah the nineteenth century, mm-hmm. you know where what Freud was a product of. I mean, mm-hmm. it was new stuff, but still mm-hmm. kind of like this, the um in that you can be only an individual. Mm-hmm. Carl, Carl Jung talked about that we are a collective, but we also are aiming to become more of our individual selves. Right. Well, his idea of individuation, which is at the center of his collected works, is really about being the person you're meant to be in regard to God, self, others, and nature. Mm-hmm. So the interconnectedness of us all and with the planet is kind of creedal. Uh, for youngians, you know, we're always impressed with how the connections reveal themselves. And when you're working with the unconscious, which is kind of the matrix, you know, as Stephanie was suggesting that, you know, pretty much everything comes out of that. The collective unconscious is what collects all of us, puts us all in kind of one place and with the planet. He was very aware sensitive to the planet, what he called the anima mundi, the world soul, mm-hmm. and to nature. So uh, that's one of the redemptive features of Jungian work is that you do increasingly experience the interconnectedness of, of all things, or what Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist, may say, you know, interbeing. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny because you're saying that, and it was, I was thinking and I was getting, um, and I do want to go into sort of how he used art and how mm-hmm. maybe listeners can use art, because I want to bring mm-hmm. part of this is because it's so interesting, but his whole point was to, to be achieving the person who we can be in right. a conscious and purposeful way. Right. Um, the individuation. <laughs> but, he, um, but he also. I, there's so I got so many quotes out of this, out of reading him. But he also, um, I mean, he talked a lot about you know the Bible and mm-hmm. Christianity and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But he was so pagan at his core. <laughs> he was like such an absolute. Well, that's because pagan. the unconscious is pagan. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've repressed. I mean, in a Christian Judeo-Christian culture, you repress a lot of uh, of the pagan mythology, and he encounters it in the unconscious. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting tension of opposites. You can never say just one thing about Jung or Jungian right. psychology. There's all 
always a both and. Mm -hmm. So he will talk a lot about Christianity and Judaism, and he will also talk about Greek mythology till the cows come home. He he loves to talk about Greek mythology. (laughs) (laughs) So so you have those myths and the fairy tales, and research has shown that there are similar uh, Mm -hmm. like stories and content in uh, you know with societies that never could have met that Mm -hmm. that there might be an indigenous group in Mm -hmm. South America that has a very similar tale to a black forest Mm -hmm. story to a Chinese story. So Mm -hmm. there were these sort of fundamental stories that people told throughout history. Mm -hmm. And he was tapping into that. His framing of that was that we shared this collective unconscious. Mm -hmm. Some anthropologies might say, well, these are natural human situations, so it's just automatic that people are going to write about it. So dismissing that there is a a collectiveness. Can I ask you too how you feel about the idea that there is a collectiveness? Is that something that you're like, yeah, like are you settled on that, that there is a collective unconsciousness? Are you looking at me? Yeah, we're looking Um, at you. (laughs) I I absolutely can accept that because I don't find the concept limiting at all. I actually Mm -hmm. find it extremely expansive. Like in no way, shape or form is Jung saying that the individual does not play a part in what is created out of the collective unconscious. So it's not like, you know, it's not, it's, it's not a negative for me. Well, it's like a river. You can drink from it. <laughs> right. You know, you're not, you're not changing precisely. the river and the river isn't changing you. Well, and one of the images of the unconscious, collective unconscious, is water. And, you know, water can take the form of the river or of the ocean. But, you know, it's this fluid, you know, very broad, very deep kind of image, you know, that, that does always suggest more. So uh, Stephanie's absolutely right. I mean, it's a life-enhancing perspective. And it's also, uh, it encourages reflection and tolerance. Um, This uh, little book discussion that uh, Stephanie's in the middle of doing now for the library is taking fairy tales, not just in the sense of, you know, what do they say about the culture, but what do they say transculturally, Mm -hmm. transpersonally, Transhistorically, you know, to get at the collective unconscious through the fairy tales. And I think they got one more meeting. Yeah, we're in the middle of a two-part discussion of Marie-Louise von Franz's Shadow and Evil in Fairy Tales. Um, we we do these reading groups. They're, they're open to all of the public, and, you know, we encourage members to come. They're free. And we had a great... Yeah, they're free. We they we have the, all most of our events now are held at the St. Leo Building uh, Education Building in Tampa, which is uh, 1403 North Howard. Uh, we met the is that first that time. beautiful it's cigar a, factory? Yeah. Beautiful, yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. Facility. Yeah, and it, yeah, and, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but there was all different arts collectives and everything in there. It's got a really great energy. Yes, <laughs> really good. Well, it it also is haunted. I've heard, but, but yes, no, it's beautiful, and we are so fortunate to to be there. It's been absolutely amazing for us, and, and everyone's comfortable and happy there. So, um, and it's right in the middle of town. It's just off 275 um, on, on Howard, Howard, right mm-hmm. in between that. Well, um, in speaking of this. So I want to talk a little bit more specifically, um, you know, because we're talking about the fairy tales and then looking at the artwork and, and the writing. And I did not get to read a ton of the writing because I was so, yeah. I spent too much time looking at the art. Well, Young would have been happy with <laughs> right. that. No blame. But, 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 the unconscious but, there was, but one of the things that there wasn't, I mean, there was sort of like, he sort of had a style, mm-hmm. like you could see a consistency through mm-hmm. it, but also 
it wasn't there. It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. He went, I mean, you could see the influence of Chinese miniatures and you could right. see the influence of Turkish, like the ancient Turkish right. art. And you could see pop mosaics art in there, and mosaics. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't know if he was acquainted with Chagall at the time, but, mm-hmm. you know, the coloring is mm-hmm. very Chagall oh, clay. And, and clay yeah. and stuff, you know. And so yeah. you can see that it was both of this world, but also not of this world. That's right. He, though, was going in, I mean, more specifically, he was... Um, uh, excavating very difficult things in himself, and he was right. a truly um, either hallucinating, experiencing, entering other realms. You well, know, these I mean, are altered states. Yeah. I mean, he, when you go into the unconscious, you almost have to suspend your—I'll call it—over reliance on consensus reality. You have to step out of your conventional worldview because the unconscious is where all that stuff really comes from and goes to. Mm-hmm. So we get stuck and rigid, you know, in our conventions and we lose the life force. And this notion of the collective unconscious is really a place of sometimes death, but definitely renewal. Mm-hmm. You, you go back there, it has uh, dark stuff in it, but the light is in there too. And you can't get to the light. You know, you can't get to the authentic, genuine healing light if you aren't going to go through the the shadow material. Right, you can't can't walk around it. That's right. And, you know, Stephanie, you were talking um, also about the individuality. You got it. You got Situation. it. <laughs> you know, that you were, you were saying before we got on the air that it was, you know, this conscious process of being closer and closer to who we are and who we can be. That it's not a, a just like, you know, you don't just poke along throughout the right. day. You think about it's and, a process. and process it. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. I mean, you know, I think Jung is famous for describing individuation kind of like the acorn turning into the oak tree. And it's it's something that would, you know, again, there's a lot of paradox in his writing. He, he says it would happen whether or not you tried to do it or not, but it can get stuck along the way. And I think that's where analytical psychology and some of Jung's concepts come in. But I think the, the benefit of becoming more conscious of it is because it can add a deep layer of meaning to life, especially the suffering in life, but also the joyful mm-hmm. things in life. And I think that's the kind of what he was after that, like, you know yourself, you really bring yourself out uh, in a way that's very satisfying for the individual, but also then can play a very generative role in the community. Can the you, collective. can you, and this is, um, <laughs> I don't know, go with me on here. Okay. Uh, so thinking yeah. about that, because we, as people and and to listeners credit right now if you're listening to a public radio show about mm. the art you're already like halfway there yeah. you know like you're yeah. already a person that that is uh i would think something somewhat self a self thinker you know not a, not a, not yeah not a not like i'll just follow along because it's this is you know this is different from a lot of mainstream things That's so right. so listeners you're already partially there <laughs> Yes, you're way ahead of me. But but we have this, like this sort of um, purposeful way of becoming closer to who we are using the creative process and specifically using the creative process to to face up to our shadows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, they may be shadows that we have cast upon ourselves. They may be shadows that life has cast upon us or shadows that we don't even know what they That's are right. because they're, they're, you know, they're part they're of the, the collective. They're the collective unconscious. Yeah. So do you see a very specifically is this way is not just for people to heal um, traumas, but also to be more creative. To yeah. because that's what I'm so curious about. Does does 
does Jung's work not just talk about healing and uh, achieving what others later would call self-actualization and things yeah. like that, but does yeah. does the work help with being more creative? Is there a creative well, uh, benefit? Jung gave a very interesting lecture. He was receiving uh, an honorary doctorate, one of many. Uh, this time it was at Harvard. And uh, he had a group full of doctors. And uh, he was basically, this was in the late 30s, and he was basically going up the established point of view, which was Freudian. And Freud has uh, a sense of a worldview that there are two instincts, sex and aggression, mm-hmm. life instinct, death instinct. It's a zero-sum game. We reproduce and we kill each other off. Very mm-hmm. pessimistic model. <laughs> so Jung came in and he gave a talk called Five Factors Determining Human Behavior. He said there are five instincts. Now, this is very interesting. You're going to like this, Joanna. So what are instincts? I mean, the species can't survive without some acknowledgement some, some connection to instinctual life. So Jung says there are five. The two that Freud posited, Eros and Thanatos, okay, he, he will take one, sex, yes, the, the species needs to reproduce. But then listen to what else he says. We have an instinct for nurturance. We need to nurture and be nurtured. We have an instinct for activity. We need to move. You gotta love them for the next two. We have an instinct for reflection, and we have an instinct for creativity. Mm-hmm. So it is essential to the psyche that it tap into, that it become aware of this creative force. Because an instinct is a very powerful you know, pattern of energy uh, that we become creative. And that's uh, not some sort of thing that's left <laughs> in the hands of the artists. It's, it, it comes from encountering and working with the unknown or the unconscious. Because you're, you're going into the dark and you're creating with that. You're, you're making something known that was not known. <laughs> Everybody's a god. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, everybody creates. And, and there is a god within. And, uh, you know, go, go find him, her, or what. Well, and thank you for saying that, because what you guys don't know, because we're new to each other, mm-hmm. is half of the purpose of this show mm-hmm. is to to encourage and almost demand that people honor their creative side. Right. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be visual art or performance That's or right. writing. It could be in the yard. It could be in the kitchen. It could be right. in the bed. It could be anywhere. That's but to, right. to right. be creative, to not be creative seems to be so damaging right. to a person that you get stuck. And you're, it's like the Alice in Wonderland when the ceiling is so low and you That's can't right. go anywhere. So, right. so thank you for saying that because well, that's part and, of the and, show. Uh, you know, you what know? Stephanie was saying, uh, you know, Young, Young was, someone who felt you weren't born a, a tabula rasa. You weren't born a blank slate. Mm-hmm. So these instincts, you know, come in with you at birth. You're, you're creative at birth. You're being created and you are creative at birth. Mm-hmm. It's one of the fundamental aspects of being human. That's wonderful. So that was Dr. Angela Spoto and with us also is Stephanie Crank from the C.G. Young Library of Tampa Bay. So I want to, because now we're sort of getting closer <laughs> to, um, I want to make sure I talk about some of the things that you've got coming up. Stephanie, you briefly mentioned the book, uh, the fairy tale book. The Von Franz book. Yes, and yes. is that something that, do you, do you all do like book, 
you know, book focuses regularly? Yes, yes. we do once a month a free reading discussion group that's open to members and the public. And the information can be found on our website, youngtampa.org. That's J-U-N-G-T-A-M-P-A.org on the programs and events page. Um, we did a four-month study of Eric Neumann's essay. It's actually, he was a student of creativity and author, philosopher mm-hmm. of creativity. We focused on his essays, The Fear of the Feminine, which were incredible. We did that last fall. Uh, currently, we're looking at Marie-Louise von Franz's Shadow and Evil in Fairy Tales, which will be uh, the next discussion will be on March 2nd. It's a Thursday evening from 6.30 to 8.30 at the St. Leo Education Building. Um, and then following that, I think we're doing Edward Edinger's uh, creation of consciousness uh, for another two months. And that's we, in April and May. In April that's and May. Much. You can see all that on the And website. then what is the lecture? There's a lecture too on fairy tales and analytical psychology. Yes, that's coming that up. Sounds on, really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Please come. That's coming up on March 9th. Uh, we do our lectures on Thursday evenings from 7 to 9 to give people a chance to eat after work. Um, and we would love to see you there on March 9th. Again, you can see that on our website. Before the fairy tales, um, and we did try to time the reading groups to kind mm-hmm. of complement the lectures and the study groups. Um, prior to the uh, analytical psychology, we do have uh, the lecture coming up on February 16th, Thursday evening from 7 to 9 on Jung's relationship to the arts, a complex situation. <laughs> Which is great. And, and really, it's that fun. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. And so, and what's so interesting too, just really briefly, because, you know, the first sort of awareness of the young made art was when you sent me the information about that. And I looked at that and I'm like, oh, you know what? That artwork reminds me of, you know, name the artist. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of it right now, but there's a, there was an artist very active in the... Kandinsky, um, maybe. Not yeah. Ken, Ken, yeah. Kandinsky, is that group, but it was another artist that used the dark backgrounds. And then another piece remind me of something else. And so another piece yeah. remind me totally of something else. Yeah. Uh-huh. So well, you mentioned Chagall and Chagall, Clay. Right. So was he um, involved with the arts outside of what he created, outside of the Red Book? Many artists came to him and I'm sure he would show them a, a peek at the mm-hmm. Red Book, you know, which was a very sort of limited uh, viewing. Uh, it wasn't until 2009 that the book was allowed to be I know that, that whole story is so interesting. Yeah, I don't a, know if we've got no, time for it, yeah. but that's, well, people didn't get to see it. It took 60, 70 well, years uh, to... Uh, yeah. You know? uh, the young family kept it in a vault because they felt that some of what was going on in that red book would make them look a little crazy. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, we've gotten to a point now where that's very much uh, not the case. And, you know, we don't it's have like that sort of... He's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that prejudice... Uh, has sort of been mollified. But it it is a book that is challenging. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, very few people can, they they love to buy it, but Mm -hmm. very few people can make their way through it. So one of the things that we're doing at the library is we are going to commit to reading the Red Book and I'll be lecturing on it and we'll be doing it in a group setting. (laughs) It'll be over eight months. What what Mm -hmm. else? uh, The first uh, meeting is going to be February 2nd. We're doing uh, eight meetings uh, one month set, one month apart, and we're going to take summers off. Mm-hmm. Um, that information, again, can be found on the programs and events page. The first meeting is February 22nd, which is a Wednesday evening from 6.30 to 9.30. Now, this one does have quite a lot of uh, reading. Mm-hmm. So we are... Um, 
we have a registration deadline of February 15th because we want people to have the chance to read yeah. Sonia Shamsani's And it's not for the faint of heart. Right. You have mm-hmm. to, it is a dedicated thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, <laughs> I woke up, the, the first thing I woke up this morning and I kind of blame you guys a little bit for it <laughs> because of all my research. And so my first thought, I woke up, I'm like, oh, it's Friday. Maybe I should go get a doctorate. <laughs> and I was like, no, shut up, no. Uh, because uh, it was so interesting just to devote, once again, devote that time to something mm-hmm. where I, it wasn't easy to figure out the answers. There's not right. easy answers. Mm-hmm. No. And there's very, there's a multiplicity of answers and you could go an easier route, but you miss the whole entire point, which the is process. what you were talking about, right? The, process. the yeah. individuation requires work right. and that we, it requires work to be, the absolutely ideal person that well, we can be. You know, consciousness makes a difference. So it requires work in the sense that you become more conscious. You, you're, you're going into the collective unconscious and the personal unconscious, but not to just languish there. That's one of the issues that Jung had. He had some issues with the surrealists, you know, that they had way too much. They indulged themselves. Mm. Uh, but Jung did too. Yeah, and, uh, right. You know. I used to talk about <laughs> indulging. Right. And, and, and to sort of explore that paradox, you got to come and listen to the lecture on that young and art. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I mean, Joanne, I mean, I think you're also describing the creative process. Like, I watched a Netflix documentary on Toni Morrison the other day, and she literally said, like, I don't write what I know. Like, I write to learn what I don't know. Right. And mm-hmm. that is what you're speaking to. Like, this kind of investment of time, like, a lot of people throw around these kind of names of these concepts, archetypes and um, complexes and, you know, they use them and, and, and there's this, but you have to do that work, right. you know, that study. The thing that is neat about the Red Book is that maybe after the first part of it, like the second part of it, it almost reads like a novel, like it's very mythopoetic, it's a story. (laughs) So you can really learn like with that part of your brain that like you were saying that is attracted to fairy tales or myth or you know, even some religious myths that it's like speaks to this part of you that's a little bit beyond words. There are, there's dialogue in it. I was reading one part and I I was just writing, I mean, I see. Look at you. I think I'm a PhD topic right now. I know, I know. I'll do one with you. I'll do one with you. Okay, let's do it. We'll make our own. You know, where where he's having a conversation with what he wonders, are you the devil? Are you this? Are you that? And he's like, and and this creature saying, you're an unbelievably ponderous and serious person. You're superstitious (laughs) and and too German. You're, you're, but you're a true hearted soul. Your solemnity smells of fanaticism, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's just, it's just so interesting. Well, you're picking a a part of what Jungians refer to as active imagination. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so, I do you want to make sure yes. we talk about yeah. that? Yeah, well, it's an intra-psychic dialogue with the figures that you encounter as you make this uh, uh, foray into the unconscious. Now, you can do that with sometimes material that comes from dreams. But if you can get yourself in a little reverie and start to move into the unconscious... There's there's a lot there that would like to talk with you. So active. <laughs> I'm not imagine- too sure if I always want to talk to it. <laughs> well, but yeah. I know. Uh, but active imagination is that process of intrapsychic dialogue with these figures that until you make contact with them, you may not even know they're there. So is is there a sense of uh, is it similar to meditation and that you have to sort of in a way exclude or not pay attention to your exterior and just sort of create. Uh, this inner it, it's uh, it, it depends what you mean by mm-hmm. meditation. I think sometimes people uh, will say that meditation is to 
uh, eliminate all of whether it's outside or inside interference. So, you know, non-attachment, detach. You know, if a thought comes, you don't grab at it. You let it go. Mm -hmm. Well, active imagination is actually engaging the images. So it's a little different in that sense. But in order to get there... You have to step out of consensus reality. You know, you can't indulge yourself in what everyone else thinks. You have to be willing to have an original experience. Well, and lower the hold yeah. of like your logical mind and your mm-hmm. conscious right. self. Like That's if right. it's going to be a connection between the conscious and the unconscious, you have to give a little bit of advantage to the unconscious, you yeah. meet it halfway. And not judge, like to suspend yeah, any judge. type of judgment. Can I ask, I swear, <laughs> look at the time. So can I ask you, is uh, is like doing the active imagination, is that something that people learn how to do? Is it a process that people learn specifically or is it a natural, naturally occurring process? Well, uh, it is naturally occur- occurring, but we've learned how not to do it. You know, we've become increasingly alienated from the unconscious. So there isn't that relationship. And Jungian psychology, the centerpiece to Jungian therapy is active imagination and dreams, you know, dream work. So, yes, you can learn to make that connection, to make that bridge. Uh, Jung is uh, uh, modeling it all through the Red Book. The Mm -hmm. Red Book is the way he documented uh, active imagination. Forays into. Yeah. And actually the library has a video course module on dreams and active imagination that has like those step-by-step guidelines, if anyone, and you can find that also on the education page. So uh, now I want to talk really quickly about the library before we don't. So this is a, this is a member organization. You have things that are open to non-members, but it's a yeah. membership organization too. And as members, they would have uh, more yes. access to library material. Yeah, so and- it's a member-supported nonprofit and mm-hmm. members get discounts to events and courses, um, get invited to sort of community uh, excursions that we don't like discuss. The members, like the Dali Museum. Right. And we have a library of like nearly 5,000 wow. items right. that they can check out books um, they can also help to guide programming like we had one of our members ask for the next book that we're going to right. discuss. So it's an interactive sort of community. It's that's a community together. resource and in some ways kind of like WMNF. Not, not as... as uh, <laughs> we We've been around for 42 years. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're making a little dent and for people who are interested in, in you know, sort of shaping the community and in uh, Jungian work or even in some of the ideas, uh, uh, this is a nice resource. We, well, we invited a member to do... A, I mean, we have a member doing a lecture in October. Mm-hmm. That is a, He's an important member. He's a board member and we want that. We want to yeah. have more poetry readings and you know encourage people to be creative and participate in the community. He's going to be talking on uh, a very popular notion that's got into the vernacular, one of Young's, you know, sort of big ideas, synchronicity. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be talking on the relationship between Young and the physicist Wolfgang Pauli. Oh, okay. So for the uh, I read a biography about Pauli now a few years ago. Uh So, uh, and it seems that, uh, you know, I started off saying that, you know, he was, of course, heavily, heavily influenced um, or is heavily admired by a lot of people in the New Age movement. And yeah. I know there's a better word than New Age, but that yeah. sort of captures it. But he also, you know, is, is still to this day has a lot of influence in straight up psychology. You know, yeah. Al- Albert's self actualization yeah. pyramid was based on a lot yeah. of Jungian ideas and yeah. thoughts. So. Well, we got notions like extroversion A-A. and introversion. Right. Yeah, A-A. he was instrumental. Uh, 
kind of uh, in a weird way. That's another story. But yeah, he, he's in the uh, 12-step program through right. Bill W. Mm-hmm. And um, he's been just extraordinarily influential because his model, his perspective, you could even say his worldview runs deep and, and it's broad. And it, it doesn't leave anything out. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the problem that I had when I was uh, starting out with certain psychologists, you know, that seemed to want to sort of reduce everything down to one mm-hmm. kind of angle, you know, whether it was Freud or Adler. Well, uh, I, I found that Jungian psychology can embrace all of them. Right, right. Because we're all, you know, there's so much commonality so much and, and difference. Well, I, we are really out of time. <laughs> way okay. over. And I so appreciate you doing this. I want to mention again that next Thursday, uh, there will be on the uh, 16th, uh, Jung's Relationship to the Arts, a Complex Situation. And that is at uh, going to be at 1403 North Howard Avenue, the St. Leo University's Tampa Education Center. Uh, and they, your, people are asked to register for that. You can go online. And this is up on the Art in Your Ear page on WMNF.org and on our Facebook page. And I think even on our Twitter and Instagram, I have to check. Uh, but it's young, J-U-N-G, youngtampa.org. If you go to that, you'll be able to see everything that we're talking about. Um, and I'm just so happy and grateful that you came. This well, is so you, interesting. Alan. I've been looking fun. forward to this yeah. so much. Uh, and then uh, it's so. And then you have the book group, which is on the 2nd of March. Uh, and then right after that, uh, well, also you've got the Engaging the Red Book, which is the deep dive mm-hmm. into that. And then you have a lecture on fairy tales and analytical psychology. A lot going on. Yeah, you do have a lot going on. <laughs> so kudos to that. Um, so thank you very much for coming thank in. Thank you again. And, this and, and stay, stay where you are for a minute. I do have to... Um, uh, let listeners know uh, because if you like this type of conversation and the type of conversations that we have here on our in your ear, WMF is going to be re- raising money uh, for the uh, station. It's the way that we keep the station moving ahead and thriving. We've got a lot going on. So in two weeks from now, uh, we will be asking uh, for your donation, whatever you can afford, um, and uh, that will be lovely. And I've got some thank yous for you also. So please keep that in mind. I want to mention that we got a lovely note from Rhonda. She says, totally loving this show. Uh, This is exceptional because of where I am right now. I'm in a group right now discussing the book Conversations with God and Carl Jung came up in our conversation this week. (laughs) So thank you. I know, I know. It's just so great. We had a, you know, someone else said fantastic interview and and just lots of really great uh, emails uh, saying that's so wonderful to listen to you. And I agree. Thank you so much. I wish I had a whole nother hour (laughs) to talk to you. Damn it. Why don't I have more time? (laughs) So, um, we are going to play right now. Um, I woke to find that I was dreaming because it seemed to be the right oh, song. Very appropriate. <laughs> to play this, I'll be right back here on WMNF Tampa.
talk about that garage. It could be so much more, but that old car you don't use, it's just sitting there taking up space. Make room by donating your vehicle to us. We'll have it picked up at no cost to you and proceed support WMNF. Learn more at WMNFcar.org. And then, thanks again. What a great, <laughs> I had so much fun with that. Hey, I want to say hi to Bob. Thank you, Bob. And of course, Rhonda, thank you. And Tom and Mark, thank you all so much. E-Love is coming up next. She's in studio too, getting ready for her show. It's a beautiful show with uh, Global Electronica. After that, of course, is the Live Music Showcase. And that airs just after two o'clock with live music and interviews with local and traveling artists. At 3 p.m. is Reverend Bill. Billy and Marvelous Marv come in and they give you the history of rock and roll and all sorts of fun things. I would imagine with Burt Bacharach's passing that they will address that on their show. And then that is followed by the wonderful Soul Party. Uh, it is a classic R&B, classic soul at 6. The Soul Kitchen comes on at 8. And that is a, as I always say, I have to get a new line. Help me with that. A smorgasbord of all sort of rhythm-based music. It's got jazz and R&B and rock and hip-hop and just everything. What a show. And then we end our night every Friday night with Flashback Friday. Florida-based soul, Florida-based R&B. You can listen again always if you go to WMNF.org. And uh, hit the tab, go to Art in Your Ear page. You can always listen to our show. Um, if you want to get in touch, Joe Ellen, J-O-E-L-L-E-N, at WMNF.org. Let me know what's going on. Oh, my goodness, we're almost out of time. And please do join our Facebook uh, group, our Art in Your Facebook group. I'll post the link again on the um, on our main page. It would be wonderful to have you. It's so wonderful. We had a book discussion. We had all sorts of discussions. So it's really fun. So thank you for being part of that. Do you remember um, next week? Oh my gosh, who do I have coming on next week? I just spaced out about it. Next week, next week. I can't remember. I think it's base camp. I think it's a photo thing next week. Uh, and then the fun drive. So please, we have a $2,200 goal so we can help grow the station and help the station thrive. We've got some thank you presents that we can send you, but we can't do that without your help. And if we get more done before the show, then we don't have to pitch as much on the air that day. You can do that just by going online to WMNF.org. And if you donate, make sure you put art in your ear in them. NPR News is coming up in just a few seconds. And then, of course, we have that fantastic uh, show ultrasounds with E Love. See you next week. Thank you very, very, very much for being out there. Thanks for the kind words. Very lucky to uh, have you all listening. Bye now. <laughs>